I V M. You are listening to the Signal Daily, brought to you by Front Page Studios. Last week, the Indian women's rugby team tried for a gold at the Asian Rugby Sevens, but touched down at silver. This is the team's third consecutive silver at the trophy, while the men's rugby team only finished fifth, up from ninth in the previous edition. But to be honest, this is also not too bad. In fact, India's international rugby performance has been running up the pitch in recent years as the sport's standing improves within the country. Rugby first came to India as a British club sport and never found a strong following until the Indian Rugby Football Union or the RIFU was founded in 1968. The sport was soon adopted by police and army personnel and started to gain popularity amongst the wider population. So in 2009 rugby sevens was introduced as an olympic sport and in 2016 it was included in the olympic games and then in 2019 our rifu was able to reach out to over 2 lakh youth players through the get into rugby initiative and according to mint this has helped improve its position in the eyes of the youth this initiative was a part of the indian rugby football union's larger focus on the development of the sport in india since 2013 but considering the limited funding This meant the players were left sidelined. Prince Khatri, the men's team captain, for example, runs a gym balanced with odd jobs to make ends meet. Meanwhile, in 2018, the rugby sevens women's team had to withdraw from the Asian Games after making it to the camp due to lack of funding. But all this changed in late 2020 when Odisha, the unofficial home of rugby in India, partnered with RIFU and promised an investment of rupees three crore over three years. Soon after, in 2021. The RIFU brought in an agenda of player-centric policies, grassroots development, and rural outreach. Players started to receive professional fees along with stipends and bonuses. And since most of them came from impoverished backgrounds, this meant that for the first time they could make a career out of it. The RIFU also began collaborating with the National Sports Authority of India, which organized international training camps and, most importantly, created a space for women in the sport. The women's rugby team now has a dedicated and renowned coach from South Africa as well as psychological counseling, year-round training, health insurance and a specialized diet plan. And of course, they have more than proven their worth by pulling up the sport both domestically and internationally, being consistently ranked within the top 7 to 8 teams globally and by bringing international sponsors to Indian rugby for the first time. But this leads us to a nagging question. As rugby is finding its niche in the Indian sportscape, specifically being championed by rural women, what is its future in the country? Will it achieve the status awarded to football or even hockey? We take this question to Shreya, a social media consultant at the Signal, who is also a rugby player herself. We've already seen the Indian women's rugby team secure a spot in the 19th Asian Games in Hangzhou, China. This took place this year from September 23rd to October 8th and they were ranked 7th in Asia pretty impressive. They also finished strong as runners up at the Asia Rugby 7s tournament securing the silver medal. This marks the team's third consecutive silver medal in as many years. With this India is poised for a strong performance. The team's journey has been remarkable and they're only getting started. The TLDR version is that yes given how well the teams are doing now it can rival hockey or football soon. but it largely boils down to how much noise can be made around this will a private body pick it up and choose to pump money into it like bcci did for ipl 
As rugby enthusiast, I can only hope. For the next few minutes, you're going to know a little more than you did yesterday from the world of technology, business, policy, and anything that leaves you with food for thought. Hello, I'm Manaswini, and this is the deep dive for 7th November 2023. Okay, listeners, take a breather because today we'll be diving into a masterclass on the craft of corporate jargon. Are you ready? So here's the situation. You are the head honcho of a fairly known company and you had asked one of the top executives to step down because probably their antics didn't quite match your vibe. How might you deliver this news to the world in fluent corporate speak? Let's take a page from Bank of Baroda CEO Devadatta Chan's book. Chan told the media recently, and I'm quoting him word to word, As far as the Chief Digital Officer Akhil Handa is concerned, it is a cessation of service induced by the bank and that is a termination. <laughs> Did you hear it? Asking an executive to resign is a cessation of service induced by the bank? Quite a mouthful, isn't it? But despite Devadatta's diplomatic tongue, Bank of Baroda's former CDO, Akhil Handa, wasn't thrilled. He asserted that the decision to leave Bank of Baroda was personal and made a long time ago. And as he told the Bloomberg Quinn, and I'm quoting him, the narrative of termination seems a deflection of operational lapses at the bank. Wow, I won't lie. That was quite an impressive yet obtuse turn of phrase. But now I think we can use some clarity. What exactly are those operational lapses he's talking about? Maybe let's check with the RBI. Last month on October 10th, RBI banned Bank of Baroda from onboarding new customers to its mobile banking app, saying the bank needed to correct certain quote-unquote deficiencies. By the way, RBI also didn't bother with explaining what those deficiencies were. But now we will. This is the story of how seemingly state-run Bank of Baroda itself exposed its customers to the risk of getting scammed. Okay, so let's dive in. In July, investigative journalist Heyman Gerola dropped an expose in Al Jazeera. He claimed that employees of Bank of Baroda were linking unauthorized phone numbers to existing customers' bank accounts. These unauthorized mobile numbers, according to Gerola, belong to bank staff, managers, guards, their relatives, and even bank agents. An official email that a whistleblower shared with Gerola showed that in the Bhopal zone, nearly 1,300 mobile numbers were tied to 62,000 bank accounts. This is on average 47 accounts connected to a single number, despite the rule saying that one number can't be linked to more than 10 accounts, and the accounts have to be from the same family. Are you also beginning to realize how risky it could be to have your bank account linked to some random stranger's phone number? I mean, we are living in the digital age. We are always shouting about UPI and a cashless economy whenever we get the chance. So this isn't exactly complicated maths. If some stranger's phone number gets access to your bank account, then they can do so many things. You know, change your online banking passwords, order new ATM cards, even wipe your account clean. And for nobody's surprise, that's exactly what happened. Gerola dropped another expose last month. Citing internal documents of the bank's head office, he claimed that the agents of Bank of Baroda using mobile banking stole more than 2.2 million rupees from 362 customers from seven states, which were Gujarat, Madhya Pradesh, Uttar Pradesh, Rajasthan, West Bengal, Bihar, and Karnataka. One agent had even apparently stolen more than 3,90,000 rupees. The bank had since reportedly instructed branches to immediately block mobile banking on such accounts. But now let's address the elephant in the room. Or rather, ask the important question. 
Why? Why was Bank of Baroda linking random numbers to people's accounts in the first place? Isn't that obviously super risky? Well, it seems they wanted growth or at least the appearance of growth for their mobile banking app and clearly growth took precedence over security. Two whistleblowers who work at the bank told Gerola that branches were allegedly being pressured to get as many customers as possible onto the mobile banking app called BOB World. And this pressure allegedly came from higher-ups, including the zonal office and headquarters. So employees restored to shady tactics like linking strangers' telephone numbers to accounts that were not already linked with any numbers. And that in turn helped jack up registrations on the app, but customers remained in dark about this activity the entire time. Once it all came to light, the bank apparently tried to cover its tracks. An employee told Girola that they were first pushed to get tons of app registrations and now they were being told to create paperwork showing customers had actually requested to register themselves. Now trying to clean up this mess, as Money Control reported last month, Bank of Baroda has suspended over 60 employees, including 11 assistant general managers. If you like listening to The Signal Daily, please show us some support. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd love to hear what you have to say about this podcast. So feel free to shoot an email at hello at thesignal.co. The Signal Daily is produced in association with IBM. The episode was researched and written by Dhruv Sharma and Anup Semwal, edited by Dinesh Narayanan, produced by me, mastered and mixed by Manas and Nirvan. You can catch this podcast every morning on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We are the signal.co on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter.